Hello and welcome to our Secular Overeaters podcast series, where you'll hear from speakers who have found recovery from food and other addictions without God. For additional information, go to secularovereaters.org. And now let's get to today's podcast. Welcome to the Comparative 12-Step Discussion Group. My name is Kathy. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm a sugar addict and the facilitator for today. The purpose of this group is to discuss the 12 steps, one at each meeting, and to share our personal experiences with the step or anything related to the theme of this step. Many of us are inspired by the 12-step approach, but find that some of the original language and concepts don't align with our personal beliefs. During this meeting, we will read several different interpretations of the steps and discuss, as the varied individuals we are, what makes sense to us and what helps in our recovery. As always, please take what you like, leave the rest. Now this month, we are discussing step two. We will be reading eight versions of this step. The OA traditional, the free thinker, Buddhist, Cleveland atheist, humanist, practical, proactive, and the SOS secular organization for sobriety. These sources can be found in the literature and the websites and which are on the handout. I'm Karen, a compulsive overeater. Very grateful to be here tonight. Step two, OA principle, hope. Traditional OA came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Hi, I'm Angel, a free thinker, came to believe and to accept that we needed strengths beyond our awareness and resources to restore us to sanity. Buddhist came to believe that a power other than self could restore us to wholeness. Cleveland came to believe that spiritual resources can provide power for our restoration and healing. Humanist, we believe that we must turn elsewhere for help. Practical, trusted that a healthy lifestyle was attainable through social support and consistent self-improvement. Proactive, I understand that I cannot force change through willpower. I need to disentangle my life patiently. SOS, I believe that a power within myself in tandem with supports and strengths beyond my own awareness and resources can restore me to a healthier, more balanced, and more and positive state of mind, body, and soul. And thank you very much, all who read. We are now open for discussion about the steps. What does step two mean to you? And what are your impressions of the different versions we just read? Who'd like to start us off on step two? Hi, everyone. Melissa, compulsive overeater and sugar addict. The one that spoke to me the most was the SOS. And that is because it really relies on the power within me as well as supports that are available. And I love that beyond my own awareness, which are in several of the other steps, because that brings me hope. Like, okay, I've worked on this problem for many, many years, but perhaps there's something that I'm not aware of that will help me. And indeed, you know, joining OA has given me a lot of new awareness that has indeed helped a lot. And then more balanced, positive state of mind. I really like that instead of, you know, being cured of everything. And then I also really like the proactive in that I cannot force change through willpower and that I need to be patient and disentangle the threads um, of 
the compulsive overeating. And then also I really liked the practical trusted that, that a healthy lifestyle was attainable. Sophie compulsive overeater recovering bulimic. And I am working the practical steps by myself until I find a sponsor, but I'm on step one. I've been on step one forever, but I finally decided to do it. But what appeals to me about the practical steps is that it completely eliminates any sort of transcendent power. It's just you and hopefully social support, but it's on you. And what I was trying to say is that I had never in regular OA had any trouble with step one. You know, admitted we are are powerless. Oh, yes, that's me. Life unmanageable, do tell. You know, and they kept pounding and pounding, trying to convince me that my life is unmanageable and that I, you know, can do it by myself. And I just, yes, yes, I have admitted all of the above. Can we please move on? And then... We got to step two and everything came to a grinding halt because I do not believe in a transcendent power that is interested in me. And I also couldn't suspend my disbelief enough to pick like a doorknob or a ceiling. So, you know, that's, that was it. So I was really, really happy to find practical steps. Although Moon is a little too psychology oriented for me but you know you can't have everything so I'm decided to go with a practical I am Christy a compulsive overeater I'm a, I'm a real big Cleveland fan and after reading through the um the book the alternative 12 steps the guide for secular recovery um you know I really appreciate the concept of restoration that's in step two it focuses a lot especially if you have any trauma in your history. It's about going back and restoring yourself to a place before there were possible points of trauma. It's working on healing yourself. And I I really like that approach. Um, I also really like the Buddhist version in this. I've been focusing a lot on the concept of ego and how that plays into, you know, all of why I, I, I get so stuck in my head and thinking about things that it's really... If I could solve it on my own, I would have solved it by now. And I can't. And that I need something certainly outside of myself. And as well, uh, the, the proactive, I think, falls right along those lines. And I, I really like the wording there of, you know, I cannot force change through willpower. Because if I could have, I would have by now. And obviously, I can't. That I'll go ahead and pass. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, still Karen, still a compulsive food addict. I liked them all, but I, I really did like, I think, the practical one and, and the Buddhist one. But, um, you know, I also have been on step one for like three years now. And uh, I was talking to my sponsor. And because I've sort of been having like a lot of internal conflict over, you know, wanting to eat, not eating and the whole bit. It's been kind of painful the last month or so, or hard the last couple of months. Couple of months. And my sponsor said to me, you know, I think, don't you think it might be time to like go to step two? Because you know, and I do know that I'm a compulsive overeater. And when I indulge in it, my life is unmanageable. So maybe it's time to move forward and start to do the things that may help me. So look at this, it's February, step two. So I see step two almost everywhere I go, everything I read, you know, (laughs) in daily readings and, and just everywhere. And, um, 
yeah, I, I agree. It's time for me to go to step two. And I think I sort of got stuck not moving to step two because thinking about the traditional um, step two came to believe that a power greater than myself could store me to sanity. And I don't even know why I had problems with that, you know, believing that a, there was a power greater than myself because there has been a power greater than myself my, pretty much my whole life. And that was the, uh, the compulsive eating that was definitely greater than myself, still is greater than myself. So why I've had a hard time thinking in terms of taking that negative power in my life and converting it into a positive power, something that, you know, I'm certainly working on with, with the readings that I'm doing. And, and I don't know why I've been so reluctant to like sort of like really immerse myself into step two because I believe in powers outside of myself. I don't know, maybe the power to maybe the power to eat was internal. I don't know. But anyway, I guess it was internal, obviously. But I mean, there are so many things that I can use uh, as a power outside of my life. The meetings, the people in the meetings, some of the readings. And it's definitely time for me to like move on and wholeheartedly we think about step two in preparation uh, for working the rest of the steps, which I hope will aid in my recovery. Hi, Bertha. Great to be here. Love what everyone's sharing. And, you know, I, I can relate to bits of them all really in ways. So um, just that, you know, I've come to realize that it's to do with the language and the wording. And I have to relate to my own inner language what works for me and and it's kind of my own inner experience of the language getting below the words almost I think that's really what it is so like and and realizing like my own decision making processes couldn't do it and for me it's really the um, support and power of the group and uh, positive it's mostly positive thinking because you know I've had a lot of struggle with the word God and but it's it's um, a bit more, makes a bit more sense to me if it's constantly spoken of as a loving power. Yeah, and so it's kind of like the power of positive thinking, the power of hope. That's what the second step is, you know, that hopefully hope there is a process, you know. And I also related even to the, you know, the people who wrote the steps. It was talking to another person at a deeper as a deep level that no one else could really relate to, or many people couldn't relate to. And that's why it's so important to have each other because there's a way we understand each other. Uh, that's kind of deeper than the words really, maybe, you know, so that's what I feel. Then that, as I said, my own decision that I had to go for something outside myself, you know, and um, even if it was just Weight Watchers and stuff, but it's also to, to very much to do with, human support and learning about my relationship to food. And that's where I'm at now. It's like looking at my relationship to food. So my brain has gradually opened up as more and more positive stuff comes into it. So I think that's my thing is that finding our own language as opposed to being forced to fit into someone else's language is really a a great journey. Thanks. Hi, Jill, compulsive overeater. When I look at these, some of the ones, and I take, I generally look at the practical steps, um, but on step two, the practical step, trusted that a healthy lifestyle was attainable. I'm not sure when I, I've only gone through the steps once. 
I'm not sure at this point that I did trust that it was that was attainable. I did have hope though. And so when I look at the humanist 12 step step resonates with me at this point for me, all I knew is I couldn't do it. It wasn't within me and studying and research and anything that I could do myself that I could hit the place that I wanted to be. All I knew at this point is I had hope that I needed to turn outside myself to see if this problem could be solved by some program. I'm gone. I'm a compulsive overeater. (laughs) I thought step two has um, stumped me up my whole life. I, I think I was born a seeker and I've tried out a lot of things and they've never, they've never felt right in my, in the depth of who I am. And I'm, I'm attracted to a lot of, of, of the stuff about um, needing something outside myself, which I think is this community. And I'm a social, be- even though I'm an introvert, I'm a social being and the open sharing here and the freedom to find that that understanding of my existence that resonates truthfully to myself is what I need and what I crave. And so I I love the stuff of, you know, anything that touches on the healing and restoration, because I feel like my recovery is a lot of, you know, understand, learning to understand my true self and what uh, my projections from my trauma, my, um, you know, just living, just living can be traumatic and joyful. So I love that stuff. And the stuff about being restored, the SOS is really sums it all up well. The restored to this basic nature that I, that I as an individual was, was born with, these character characteristics, personalities that make me uniquely me. And um, when I'm you know, finding that, that, that power in step two, to reconnect with that and uh, have the awareness. So um, yeah, I think um, the proactive, the practical, the SOS, the humanist, they're Buddhists. It's all good. Thanks. You know, I do like parts of all of these steps, but for some reason today, what I'm just drawn to is just the principle of hope. And I think about how, before coming into OA, you know, I tried so many things like many of us have all the pain ways and crazy, crazy diets and, you know, decades of failure. And I think that um, I had lost my hope that anything could ever make a difference. And coming into OA was an absolute act of desperation as an atheist, having to come to a program where God was everywhere, you know, really showed the desperation. And I feel like when I took step two, I don't know if I did come to believe, you know, that something would help change, but it was hopeful to be in rooms and hear other people's story about their own recovery. And it was that, that, you know, knowing that people had lost and maintained hundreds of pounds of weight loss or even 20 pounds of weight loss, but they had maintained it for a long time. Hearing those stories really gave me the hope that maybe this could work for myself. And I think, you know, I see that, you know, that's in most of these steps, the hope part, but even just distilling it down to that one word today just feels really important to me. Hey, everybody. Um, Chelsea, food addict, sugar addict, 
especially. I'm really intrigued today by the free thinkers. I love, first of all, having all these choices to sort of self-design my my reality. But I, today I'm really intrigued by the strength, the free thinkers description, strength beyond our awareness. When I first read it, I was kind of struck by how much that could seem like a higher power. And it reminded me of how I used to kind of wait to be struck sober, that I would hear people talk, you know, just just wait and just pray and it will come into you and you'll you'll have that that sobriety that you crave. And I've heard so many descriptions of addictions. And the one that really intrigues me is the description of addiction as being developing a relationship with reality. And I am trying so hard right now to develop a relationship with reality of who I am, uh, the reality that my uh, of my body and that I'm just not a person who can eat a little of certain foods. And also the reality of being present and mindful, just sort of staying present, being living in reality. And in terms of a higher power, when I've eaten compulsively, I've always had a little voice, actually a very strong voice down inside me. I just chose to ignore it. And but in looking back after a binge or eating compulsively, it was there. I just chose to ignore it. So for me, reality is like stopping to tune into that voice, to listen to it, to just sit with my cravings and ultimately come to the reality that that's not a food that I can have. It's just not on my program. So the new habit, I mean, my, my traditionally, my habit's been that that voice is just beyond my awareness. And so I'm trying to flex a new muscle, uh, kind of make a new habit of bringing that inner voice that will protect me, that knows what's best for me into my awareness and then living with awareness. So thanks for letting me share. I really appreciate this meeting. I am Carol, compulsive eater. I like them all. They all have, I like all of them, but the first one I was introduced to was the the non-theistic, came to believe that spiritual resources can provide power for our restoration and healing. I liked it so much because it took out the word insanity. I believe I am insane. I have mental problems, but they go far beyond the eating. They're more important. I, I'm depressed. I'm a depressive person. I had anxiety and they showed up way before the eating. But so I don't like the word insanity, but in another program, um, it was to a normal way of thinking and living. And I like that. You know, that, that one is not mentioned here, but the ones that, you know, came out, uh, we believe that we must turn elsewhere for help. I love that one, the humanist, and came to accept, I don't know if this one was where it came to accept and understand that we needed strengths beyond our awareness and resources to restore us to, and I'm going to change it, normal way of living. Thank you for allowing me to share. I think I resonate most with the practical, especially right now, uh, trusted that a healthy lifestyle was attainable through social support and through consistent self-improvement because Ever since I've been coming to these meetings, I, on a weekly basis, discover one more thing I want to make better in myself. I'll, I'll be, the latest one is I, I didn't realize how much I sought for external validation of myself. Uh, the week before that, it was, I didn't realize how much resentment I had for others. And in coming here and hearing stories and, um, Having the strength to not use food and then deal with the issues come up that come up, it's because I know I can come here and kind of 
hey, these issues are coming up for me. And, and this group is always, the groups have, the meetings have always been so helpful with getting through those what would normally spiral me into uh, a, a deep depression. So um, the practical social support and consistent self-improvement. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take turns reading the different authors' insights on step two, and then we'll share our thoughts the same way we did before. Alan Berger, hope is an important ingredient in all forms of healing. We are given hope and humbled further because we won't be able to solve our problem on our own. Martha Cleveland, spiritual power comes from whatever gives us peace, hope, or strength and enhances our humanity. Stephanie Covington, what can we believe in? Whom can we trust? The problem is that life is more difficult and empty without someone or something to trust and believe in. Pass. Gabriel Maté, a higher power, may does not necessarily imply belief in a deity. It means being a higher power or a higher truth than the immediate desires or terrors of the ego. Teresa Jacob Stewart. We come to out of the fog of our deluded, addictive minds, reaching for something more. There, waiting for us, are the ancient practices of meditation and mindfulness. This is from Sergey Pringle. Uh, the central belief of step, the belief in the process of the 12 steps, is worked for others and can work for you. The normal human tendency is to try to force change through willpower. Instead, in step two, you realize that the only way to do it is to shift gears. You commit to a program that will help you slowly and patiently disentangle your life. This is the kind of attitude that works for changing deeply ingrained habits. You face the reality that the strands are entangled and there is no quick and easy way to undo the mess. Then one by one, you disentangle the various strands of your life. Thank you to everyone who read. We're now open for discussion. So thoughts on these interpretations and insights and which one resonated with you? I'll go first again. Hi, everyone. Melissa, aspiring healthy eater, sugar addict. So I want to say a little bit about hope. And that is because hope. I feel kind of burned by hope um, and that hope has been part of my destructive cycle over the years and that uh, like, oh, I hope I can get to this place to be this kind of person. And what has really, what I've found a lot of peace in right now is the meditation practice of just being and really thinking like I'm okay in the universe, exactly as I am in this place of, in this place in time, even though I know deep down, I still have hope about a lot of things, hoping about losing weight and being sane around food has not served me well in my life. I remember like as early as seventh grade, just going, hoping, hoping, and then imagining myself thin. So now, although I do still have hope and I'm really inspired by OA and, and what I hear at these meetings, I'm really focused more on acceptance and being. And so like with Alan Berger's um, insight, I changed hope to acceptance and being is an important ingredient. But going back to the Serge Prangle is the one that I really like. And that is about figuring out how to disentangle the threads. And in his literature, he talks about how if you pull really fast, and to me, that means like going on a diet or all of a sudden restricting, then the night, the knots get tighter. 
But if you figure out where the habit loops are coming from and where the, um, well, I guess I'll leave it at that, that, uh, that you can disentangle from there. And a step further for me is that I can't disentangle just knowing where they come from. I also have to have an action plan that comes from um, OA and like, what's my next best right step? Okay, I pass. I am Evan. I, ju- I guess just to build on that last one, I, I also really like the Prangle. And um, I, I think it's like what stands out to me is the line, the normal human tendency is to try to force change through willpower. That seems like such a human thing. And that's, that's what I've been brought up taking in for so long is, you know, to push back. And it makes me think of like one of those little finger traps where when you pull, like you're going to stay stuck. But when you engage it in a certain way and you're careful, you can come free. And it's kind of that, you know, that same idea with the threads. And the other part that I, I really like is earlier on just saying basically a belief in the process, right? Hope is the idea that, you know, when it comes to the 12 steps, there are other people that have done it before, right? I, you know, I'm early on in the 12 steps and, and I think about the fact, well, I can't see to step 10. I can't see to step 12. I can't imagine all of a sudden having a year of abstinence or more or whatever, like out in the future. And that sounds impossible, but I can look at what's more immediately in front of me. And I can also look at the other people and see that they have attained those things. And it's like, well, that's possible for me too. And the way to do it is, is not to push back and not to fight, but play along, you know? Um, And that, I guess that's the kind of cynical way to put it is to play along. But uh, I feel like, I I guess I can't speak for anybody else, but for me as a, an atheist um, and a, a skeptic, I would say, I'm, I'm skeptical of a lot of programs and things. And my tendency is to go into everything with like, hmm, is that going to work? But I think in this program, that doesn't necessarily serve me the best. And I kind of need to go along for the ride and, and trust that somebody, something works, right? Something, something's working. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't be here on a Saturday spending our time in this room and, and thinking through these steps. That's it. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jenny, sugar addict and compulsive eater. I just, I really like bits of all of these different snippets of literature. I liked when Martha Cleveland was talking about spiritual power comes from whatever gives us peace, hope, or strength and enhances our humanity. I am like such an atheist that I can't even deal with the word spiritual without kind of cringing. So this is kind of like a way of me being like, okay, um, yeah, I can get into that. I want to, you know, gather in more things in my life that bring me peace, hope, or strength and enhances my humanity. That's, I can get behind that. So I just, I don't know. I like that kind of definition. And I also liked in Stephanie Covington talking about how life is more difficult and empty without someone or something to trust or believe in. And this doesn't have to be a God, but I mean, this could be, you know, members of your community, your family, your friends and your children and your your sisters or whatever. Um, and that is really important to be able to have people that, you know, be able to count on and to try and develop those relationships. And it, it helps me become stronger. And I also like the Sergey Frangel one where talking about the normal human tendency is to try to force change through willpower. And I just think about 
yes, doing that through dieting and, you know, I will not eat certain things or just this morning I'm going to wake up and now today I'm going to not eat these things ever again. Just how many times that's come up for me, but it's also not just around food. It's around life. It's around, you know, being a parent and it's like, you will take a nap. You can't force a child to sleep. Or I, when I was working, I was supervising a lot of millennials who kind of had a new idea about work, which is where they would just show up late all the time. And it'd be like, no, you need to show up on time. I mean, I had no control over any of this stuff. And it was just a little bit easier just to like, let it go. So anyway, that's what I have to say. Pass. Uh, good morning. I'm Maria. I'm a compulsive overeater. So it's kind of funny. I resonated, I mean, everything resonated for me, um, but the hope is an important ingredient in all forms of healing. I have, as part of my very long-winded write-up about step two, if I truly believe healing is possible, then I have to believe I can heal. And that's where the sort of remembering my own humanity, like, and that whole idea of I'm powerless, like, I'm not all powerful. I'm not different than everybody else, right? Like, if healing is possible, and I really believe that, then I have to have hope that I can heal. And it's really hard to kind of hold on to that, right? Like, it's sort of like this, I can keep it as like a philosophy, but then like when you get into the, your own sort of feelings of desperation and negative thinking, it can be like, well, everyone else can do it, but me. And that's the kind of holding on to the sort of being all powerful. Um, I'm different than everybody else. And then it has worked for others and can work for me, kind of the same theme that I'm not different from other people. If this can work for other people, like, why wouldn't it work for me if I work the program? I'm not more powerful than, than other people. And um, that is humbling. It's kind of to, to, to kind of remember that I'm just another part of humanity like everyone else. And um, as crazy and insane, everything feels for me at times. All right. I really resonated with what someone said earlier about like not having uh, feelings of hope. But if I let go of hope, then I'm kind of myself is different in a way that doesn't help me. Um, so anyway, so I really do. I, I really like a lot of what's in here um, and uh, the reminder that I'm no more insane than anyone else and no less likely to, to heal and recover than anyone else. So that's it. Thank you. Hi there, Johnny Compulsive Eater. I, I like Sergey's a lot and I, I really like his untangling the knot metaphor, but this morning what sticks out to me even more is you realize that the only way to do it is to shift gears. And when I think about that, I mean, it's like, it's not shifting gears as in going to a higher gear so you can go faster. It's changing direction altogether, turning the wheel of the car. This isn't the only thing in my life where I feel like I'm slowly coming to learn that beating your head against the brick wall over and over again is not the way to get through the brick wall. You have to turn around and realize that you're not even looking in the right direction. And I came across something the other day that talked about it's, it's not about food so much as it is about feelings. And that really resonated with me and seems like another example of how the path forward sometimes involves going a different direction altogether and shifting your focus on what you were beating your head against to be able to go around the brick wall or over the brick wall instead of keep continuing to bash through it. So the shifting gear thing really stuck out to me this morning and I like that. That's it for me. Thanks. Pass. Hello again. Um, I liked a little bit of the last three. Um, Gabor, Gabor Mate, um, the immediate, or it means heeding a higher truth than the immediate desires of terror of the ego or terrors of the ego. And I think that 
as I as I raise my awareness through the practices that, that Teresa Jacob Stewart talks about of meditation and mindfulness, I'm able to you know go beyond my my instinctual habits that I've formed around food behaviors and emotions and trauma and uh, wanting to escape and getting to that to hear that voice that deeper deeper knowing in me that um, wants to me to be healthy and safe and then Serge Pringle I love the I love again this the stuff about untangling that thread which I feel is you our unique thread that is the myriad that makes us who we are and bringing that awareness to understand what our thread is and untangle it all our food behaviors all our lives life experience just bringing that deeper and deeper level of awareness and understanding of the story of my unique life and um yeah figuring that out and that as i bring that i'm i'm more in tune with with um a healthier way of being thank you hi christy Bill compulsive overeater for this serge pringle uh cool. i keep thinking for the threads um i'm envisioning like my life is a big ball of christmas lights that are like super tangled up and the patience that has to go into distinct like untangling it because yeah um anyways my my main thought of what I was drawn towards, um, again, I'm a big Cleveland fan, is for spiritual power comes from whatever gives us peace, hope, or strength and enhances our humanity. The one part I've always recognized with that is the enhances our humanity really is the key because food will give me peace, it'll give me hope, and it'll give me strength for a little bit, but it does not enhance my humanity. And that was something when I was coming into program again, was recognizing, okay, that's where I really have to look. It can't just be something that soothes me. It has to be something that soothes me, but does it in a way that brings, I, I don't, I don't even know how to quantify it or say it. It, it does feel like a feeling and I don't want to be too much into feelings that gets into too spiritual, but you know, maybe later I can really put it into words. How does, how do you recognize when something's enhancing your humanity? You know, I, I would say connecting with other people instantly comes to mind a general feeling of like health or goodness moving in that direction. So that, that's one thing I'm kind of drawn towards with, you know, hearing that it's, it's not just the peace, hope and strength, but peace, hope and strength in a way that is good, <laughs> which is, you know, could be subjective. And then as far as my other thoughts on Gabor Mate, you know, hearing the, it means heeding to a higher truth than the immediate desires of desires or terror of the ego. I take that to mean that there is, there is something almost like you get into like an ethics discussion. There is something greater and more truthful or better than my own fears and my own wants. And that I should explore that there, I, there is something worth pursuing beyond my fears and my need or my, not my needs, but my wants, my wants that specifically lead me to self-harm. And that ties into hope of just wanting and seeking something beyond myself. And that, with that, I'll go ahead and pass. Thank you for letting me share. Morning, everyone. I'm Nancy, recovering overeater, 
compulsive overeater. When I read, when I first, the first time I read Stephanie Covington's What Can I Believe In? Because I know I think you have to, oh, uh, and whom can we trust? The problem is that life is more difficult and empty without someone or something to trust and believe believe in. So believing in something is having hope. And I don't have hope. (laughs) And I don't trust anybody. I think it was the trauma of my childhood, I guess. And even though, I mean, I worked with prisoners in in medium and maximum security settings. So, you know, people who... uh, I think some of them had more hope than I did, or maybe it was false illusion. I don't know. But I I just, I'm really stuck on how you, I mean, I'm old now, I'm in my 70s, but I, I really am stuck on how to develop more trust because without trust, I cannot trust in the community that I'm looking for strength for. I don't even trust Stephanie Covington because I've got a book and I don't read it because I don't read self-help books because I don't trust <laughs> I don't trust self-help books. So the only thing I can think of to do that is to just start, just make a commitment to myself to read a few pages a day and let it seep in. I mean, it's embarrassing for me. You know, I was raised with a lot of shame and guilt and violence and all kinds of crap. But, you know, I bought a book. (laughs) I bought a book about, you know, how to um, working with trauma in the 12 steps, which I highly recommend. What is it called? It's called Trauma and the 12 Steps. It's a really interesting book. Again, I haven't read it. Not really. I skim through it occasionally but I don't trust anything. And I I realize I cannot completely give way to the steps and to the whole experience of having this wonderful community of people that are here to be trusted, you know? And so I think the only thing I can do, like the other guy said, you know, untwisting everything is to just start reading um, the self-help stuff without throwing it down and saying, oh, this is a bunch of crap over over and over again. And maybe somehow that'll seep in. That's all I have to say. Thank you for listening. That is all the time that we have for today. Thanks for participating. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit secularovereaters.org and consider making a donation. 